Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. All good. I am so excited about St. Bart's, and I'm ready to uh, select the dates. I know Gina, Todd, Peter, are we doing this? <laughs> I think it's happening. I feel it happening. 
So, Brian, this is our hour on Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here in Breakfast of Champions, and we are dedicated to having real conversations, totally unfiltered, talking about topics that are important to us um, that we're really passionate about. And we hope No just- fluff, all buff. You know, that's <laughs> it, man. Shooting straight. And, uh, you-, you know, Glenn, Glenn, Glenn's sitting there. He's got he's got ready to have a heart attack, but don't worry, Glenn. We got it. We're good, man. We're good. We're good. We have, we have found our boundaries. We press them. We have been reprimanded, and we are going to stay somewhat in the – we're going to color inside the line somewhat. We'll do our best and make zero promises. But what we love about, you know, Clubhouse Breakfast of Champions is that we have the opportunity to be unfiltered. You know, there's nobody, you know, telling us what we should or should not say and narratives that we have to tell. So this is a really great opportunity for our audience, our moderators, our speakers to really engage in dialogue that truly is – 100% unfiltered, and, and, and you know if you and, want and to. How, and how about this? How about this? If you disagree with us, disagree with us. Just try not to be disagreeable. You know, I, I mean, I, I, I can say this. I'm not always right, but I can tell you with certainty I believe everything that I say. Um, and if, if I keep my mind open, that I, I may not have all the answers. I certainly don't have all the answers. But, uh, you know, w- when we're talking about the subjects that we're passionate about, I'm going to be passionate about those subjects. I mean, and we're talking about life here. And uh, today's subject, the topic, I thought was great, really, the, the mentors, the people that influence, uh, uh, influence you in your life. And I can't wait to get into that. Barbara, how was your week? You had a, like a high school reunion this week, didn't you? Oh, my God. It was so good. 30 years. And the funny thing is, after the reunion, so we pre-gamed at my house. I, I live in my hometown. We post-gamed at my house. Uh, you, had a pre, you had a pre-game show warm-up at your house for a high school reunion. <laughs> Hell, oh, yeah. media people are freaks. Okay. We, it was <laughs> such a great time. I mean, listen, I just think you know friendships i am um i'm a lifer i am i really do pride myself on being loyal and trustworthy and um to reconnect with it was like we left off 30 years ago and the best part of this reunion i hope everyone hears this is that nobody brought their spouses so we were just we landed right at that quarters table that we left 30 years ago as if we didn't miss a beat and it was it was awesome. So I, isn't I, I cra- recommend. <laughs> is, isn't it crazy how old all your friends got? Thank God we didn't get old. You know, I, I, I've gone to these <laughs> high school reunions. I'm like, man, look how old they got. And I know they're sitting there saying, oh, old Benstock got, man, he's old. Uh, you just don't realize. But when you see people that you haven't seen in a while, you're like, wow. I, I haven't been to a high school reunion in you know many, many years. But I remember when I went, I, I was struck by a couple of things, right? Some of the guys and gals that were the, the heroes uh, in high school, well, you know, life, uh, they stop there. And that's, you know, certainly a lesson there. Don't stop there. And, uh, and, and you know, I, and I, I, I found it was very um, good that I've tried to take care of myself over the years, you know, because you do get that look back and say, God, I remember him. And the first one comes and says, hey, my name is Billy. Remember me? And I'm like, wow, what happened to you? <laughs> You know, and, and that's that's a good reminder for all of us. You know, there's going to be a 20 years in the future, hopefully for us. And what we look like uh, then is determined by what we do today. So take good care of yourself. For, I, for sure. I agree. There were uh, some people that peaked early for sure. But overall, I will say my graduating class looked people kept it together. And I don't know 
what that was about, but um, there were very, there were, <laughs> when we did get to the reunion, um, everyone's like, you better put on your name tag because you're not going to recognize some people. We, that's the advice we had been given. And we got there and sure enough, I was like, whoa, hey now. You have 10 million followers on TikTok. You don't need no name tag, girl. I mean, no, I, I start... have 10 million views. Views. Well, I have, okay. I well, I, and, and I have to tell you, I'm like 50 of them because I keep showing that to people. I'm like, look at this. Look what. But, 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 I but I'm doing it from that. a good. I'm doing it from a good place. I'm doing it from like, gosh, what are the learnings? What are the teachings? What can we get from this? You know, the, the ability to put yourself, your thoughts, your ideas in front of 10 million views is really impressive. As I, as I muddle through uh, TikTok, I was really against TikTok. I thought it was something that my daughter Poppy would dance around to. And, and I realized it's just another platform for us to reach uh, audiences, which is, which is incredible. We are in the midst of an incredible transformation uh, and the transformation uh, in the communication age, 5G, machine learning, uh, uh, communication platforms such as this platform are really going to change the way that we reach, communicate, and interact with people. And it's how do we get, uh, how do we get there? So as we go through a list of mentors that got us to where we are, uh, we, we look to also to the mentors in the future that are going to take us to where we where we're going next. You know what I like that you said, Brian, is that you initially thought TikTok was just hokey and nothing to, and, you know, nothing to, you know, we kind of poo pooed it. All of us did. Actually, my first TikTok, um, which actually, which went viral, I converted chalk into car paint. It was very silly, but I did it because I saw my daughter do a voiceover. Long story short, she wouldn't put it on her TikTok because it was stupid, and so I had to open my own TikTok. And 3.1 million views later, my daughter's like, your video went viral. So at the end of the day, the takeaway that I think that we need to land as we're moving into do new audio apps and the metaverse and Bitcoin and all these new evolutions, what we need to encourage each other as well as anybody that's listening is do not have a closed mind. Because when you prejudge something, it's a reflection on your on you. You don't know until you actually explore it. So open up, take that away. Do not prejudge anything and dive into everything with an open heart so that you are you can stay abreast of all the changes and the evolutions and you're not left behind. I think that's a really great point that you said, TikTok, I thought the same thing, yet TikTok is my highest performing platform higher than, I get more traction from TikTok than the Today Show. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you missed the um, uh, Grow for God conference in Kentucky and it was great to see all the people that were there that we're you know we talk to every day on this app and to actually get to meet the people in person and i i really love that and the the, the wonderful people that were um, gracious in their attendance gracious in their words gracious in their support so i just want to say a big thank you to glenn sarah and and, and uh, tamara and all the others that organized it and allowed me the opportunity to to speak and to share my thoughts uh it was good to be live again with people and with a great audience. And it was a busy week, you know, and I went from Wait, there to. Yeah, that's what I want to go back to. You left that conference and ran the New York City Marathon. What was that like? I'll never do what I did again. And it was only for the love of God and Glenn that I did that. I flew you know, from, uh, I went from New York City to, uh, sadly, a funeral in uh, New Jersey to the airport in New Jersey to Atlanta to Kentucky, to the, the Grow for God conference, back to New York Saturday night. I think I got into New York just about midnight or 11 o'clock. 
I had um, a trainer waiting for me in my apartment to take me up for the next day. Got about three and a half hours sleep. And then um, I had the best race of my life, the slowest time of my life, but the best race of my life at the New York City Marathon. It was my first full marathon again since uh, getting injured in 2016. And it was really a magnificent, magnificent event. My goal was really simple. I had two buddies I'd been training with. I, my, my objective was to get them across the finish line. Uh, and uh, I had pretty much decided I'm not going to run this one. I, I was injured and I was going to start out with the guys and then get to, there's a Bay Ridge Hondas exactly four miles from the start. I know people at Bay Ridge Honda, so I said, oh, we'll get to Bay Ridge Honda, have someone drive me to the finish line, I'll get about five miles out, and I'll run the guys in. And as luck would have it, when I when I got to the five-mile mark, I felt pretty good and uh, ran uh, ran into the city. And my, I told my wife, Barbara, I told my wife, stay home. Uh, I said, babe, this isn't going to be one of my, my my best runs. It's, you know, I'm, I'm coming back in. I don't want you to be standing out there by yourself. And she said, okay, honey, I'll stay home. When, when are you getting home? I said, I'll be home Sunday night. And little did I know, she was connecting with my training partner, and she was waiting for me at mile 17. And she said to me, she said, you'll do fine as long as you make it into the city. Just make it into the city, you'll be fine. And the city, and the course, Barbara, as you know, is uh, at mile 15 or 16. And when I got to the city, uh, and running up First Avenue, my friend says, come on, come on, move over to the left. we got to find William. And frankly, I'm like, F William, I, I, I got to get done. I'm sick. I, I got to get done. He's come on, move over to the left. And I moved over to the left. I looked up, and there was my youngest daughter, Clementine. And it stopped me in my tracks. I just looked at her. She burst out crying. I burst out crying. And, you know, it was just very emotional for me because she's not used to seeing her dad busted up. And I was busted up. And then, I, you know, I, and the, the term that gets used on Clubhouse all the time, uh, I am complete. I felt complete after my, my buddies were going to finish. Uh, I was at, you know, whatever, mile 17. And I thought, you know, I'm complete. Let, let's, let me be with my family. And my wife said, that's not what you started out to do. You said you wanted to get yourself a medal for your birthday, and you wanted to get one for Clementine. So finish. I said, I don't think I can run. She said, finish. And I basically walked uh, the last seven miles of, of the marathon. And I said, okay, babe, I'll see you in two and a half hours. And I freaking walked. Uh, I walked through uh, Harlem. I walked through the Bronx. I came back through Harlem and um, got into the city and ran the last mile. Barbara, it was the most challenging, best gift I've ever given myself in my life. And uh, it was it was uh, a magnificent day. So I, I would say, you know, that, that, that poem... If by Rudyard Kipling, you know, see success and failure for the imposters that they are and coming in, I, I, I promise you this. I don't know what time it took me to finish the marathon. I don't, I don't know. I, I can tell you the, the, my best time was 314.11. I, I didn't look at the watch because it wasn't about that. And, I, you know, it took me so long. They should have given me two medals for the amount of time I was out there because it's basically the time of, of two races. But the. The notion that it was failure was just the opposite. It was absolutely the best thing that's ever happened to me. And it, and it and it's reminds me of the topic that we're going to talk about today. You know, who are the people, who are the mentors in your life? Who are the people you've met where you can say, because of you, I didn't quit. Because of you, I didn't give up. And I've, I've got a, a handful of people in my life 
that we're going to, I was going through the Rolodex in my mind as I was running, that because of Paul Singer, I didn't quit. Because of Norm Ryder, I didn't quit. Because of my dad, I didn't quit. Because of little Clementine, I didn't quit. Because of my other children, I didn't quit. Uh, and, you know, the, these these are people, mentors are all around us, Barbara. And, and so I, I, I want to dig into some of these heroes that most of the people on the stage are not going to know. They don't know who Norm Ryder is. Uh, they don't know who these people are in, in, in my life. But I want to share with them uh, the importance that the, these people, the contribution they've made, and in, in the hope that we can focus on solutions and people that bring to us um, guidance and leadership when we need it most. You know, that saying, the, the, the teacher will appear when the student is ready. Uh, that's such a true statement. And so many times we're playing the victim card Look what happened to me. It's not my fault. Look at that. Look at this. And, and, and that, that just means that the student's not ready yet. And, and I tell you this with certainty. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. I have to go back because people are actually commenting on the back channels about you seeing your daughter at the race. I think that really is, is so touching and so powerful. And I can't move past it because I think you inspired more people and will leave more of a legacy and an impact through this race than the race that you ran your best. And the fact that you even recognize that this was your best race because it wasn't about time. It was about your impact on others. And I think I, I just feel in that. And for what I think maybe we, be, we become desensitized to as runners, as I, I ran the New York City Marathon twice, is you don't realize that just finishing that marathon is an amazing accomplishment. And just it's crossing that finish line. It doesn't matter how fast you do it. It matters that you show up, that you sign up, and you follow through. Because it's not the marathon that's so hard, in my opinion. It's that dil the diligence, the consistency of training. And it extrapolates out to all areas of your life. It's showing up and doing the work when you don't want to do it. The, the muscle of the mundane and I know for me and reflection of when I ran my second marathon, I thought I would blow the doors off my first marathon. And I honestly was terrible. I just, my numbers were terrible. My, I couldn't believe it because I was like, I don't understand. I'm, I felt that I had cancer and I didn't know. I was diagnosed a year later. And, um, but I remember just, but it, it was not lost on me that my boys, not my daughter, I have three kids, my boys, I remember seeing them too, Brian, on the on the course and seeing how, oh my God, I'm going to get all sort of emotional here this morning, just seeing them see their mother in this sea of people. And when I was sick, I said to them, how many mothers, and they were scared that I was going to die. And I was able to say to them, I'm like, how many mothers do you know run 26.1, you know, is it 26.2 or 26.1, right? 26.2. 2, that's what I thought. Okay, I wrote 26. It doesn't sound right. 26.2 miles just for shits and giggles. Sorry, Glenn. And I said that to my little, my little boys, and they were like, we don't know any other mothers. I was like, if I can do that, then I can beat cancer. So um, I'm feeling you today, and I bet you your story will serve so many more people. So, yeah, I, I, I love that you shared that, and greatly, like, I just, I love you. I really appreciate that so much. I'll be sitting on that today. So tell me more about um, the people that, you know, because of you, I didn't quit. I want to hear who well, you want to well, talk about. You know, Brielle was talking about something that, you know, I, I, I had a different experience. She was saying that she felt that um, 
she could make it. She knew she could make it. And, and I, I, I don't want to paraphrase. And I was thinking just the opposite. I, I think it was a young kid uh, filled with insecurities. I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think I had what it took. When I'd see people on a stage, I said, well, that'll never be me. I canonized some of these mentors. And, you know, the, the great thing is when I stopped canonizing them and I started looking at them and learning from them, and, and they had some faith and or belief in me, I started to make progress. And, and so to, to, to sit down and say, I always knew I was going to be successful would be an absolute lie. You know, um, but, but the, the one thing that, you know, like, let's start with the, the, the first mentor is my father, man. Uh, my, my father gave me ambition. My father gave me drive. Uh, and what, a, what a, an incredible gift to give your, your child uh, is the gift of ambition. Go out there. Go. Come on. You know, my, my daughter Mercedes is selling real estate, and she she's being she's such a sweet soul, and she's being passive, and and we're chasing a house we want to buy. And call her, call him again, call him again. I don't give a damn if they're angry at you. This is not this is investment real estate. Get out there, girl. Come on. And I know she's looking like that. That's not me. It's but it can be you, right? And and don't give up. One more time. One more time. Be a pain in the ass and understand on the other side of that. Understand on the other side of that, there's going to be an agent that respects that. There's going to be somebody else that respects that. And I wasn't always that person. I would ask once for the order, and the customer would say no. And I would say, okay, thank you very much. If you're interested, let me know. My name is Brian. Here's my card. And, 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 I, and I realized, and I'd call the customer the next day, um, hi, how you doing? What's happened? Did you buy a car yet? And, oh, I bought a car. You bought a car? You said you were going to come back to me. Yeah, but I went to the next place and I bought a car. And I started realizing, wait, because I gave up, they went someplace else, met somebody that didn't give up, and I lost the sale. And then I started, you know, making then, – then my, my next mentor, Paul Singer, said, you've got to ask for the sale seven times. And, and so, I, so, you know, I, I'm stupid enough to listen to people. And seven times – so every time I'd ask for the, the sale, I'd make a little stick figure on the piece of paper. And one and two. And I realized after I asked for the sale twice, I only had – two ways to ask for the sale. So I had to learn other ways to ask for the sale. Then, then three, then four. And you know what, Barbara, you know what I learned? If I actually asked for the sale professionally seven times, I never got to seven because they would, they would go down. They would go down before seven. So boy, that worked. That technique worked. And, and you can build a mosaic from the people that believe in you if you just let down your guard and listen. Let down your guard and listen. And I, I think uh, some of the the earliest mentors in my life and the best mentors were never repeat, never the people that were easy on me. And so when I'm kicking people in the ass at work, I'm kicking them in the backside and they, and they're back off, man, leave me alone, man. Come on, man. I, I, it's because I believe in you that I'm pushing you. I'm not going to waste my time pushing somebody that doesn't have it in them. I am a professional. I know what, and if I'm pushing you, it's because I see talent in you, and I want you to go, and I know you can go. And it's it's those people that I had in my life, Barbara, that pushed me, kicked me in the butt. I mean, literally, my hockey coach skating behind me with a hockey stick, hitting me as hard as he could in the ass. Skate! And the words he would say after that, I can't repeat here. You blah 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 blah. And today, <laughs> today, today, the helicopter moms would be in there suing. The hockey coach Norm Ryder, who who would make us skate until we puked, and to this day he's passed away. I'd run through a freaking brick wall for him, 
And I, I think- Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, Five Simple Steps to an Extraordinary Morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. We're doing a terrible disservice to men and women when we let them off the hook. And, and I, you know, it's, it's, and I just want to uh, turn it here for a second. I, I believe when somebody sends their child to me to work at our dealership, they put their child in my custody. I take that responsibility incredibly seriously. And, and maybe it's incredibly serious we shouldn't go together. I, I, I take that responsibility to heart. You've entrusted me with your child. And your child can be 27, 28, 32 years. What can I do? And nobody's giving me their child as a profession to be easy on them, you know, let them just go by. But I would give my, I would want my children to work for somebody that's going to bring out the very best in them. And that often involves driving them, motivating them, guiding them, uh, and, and, and to, to do that, not with, with force, but with pressure to keep the pressure on them. And as they increase that person, uh, that person's capacity. Well, I think that when you look at intentionality with any leader or mentor and they want they want you to win, they want you to succeed, they see your potential and they tap into it. So I've never had a problem with tough love. And actually, Brian, when I became my best uh, leader in business and before I was in television and a mother, I actually scaled sales teams across the United States. And I had this moment in business where I used to just, as I ran sales teams and I had these moments where I'd be like, oh my God, I don't want them to quit. So I would coddle them and, you know, make them laugh and then just motivate them with, you know, words of inspiration. And then they'd go out in the field and kind of flop. And, but I'd keep them around, keep them around. And I turned a corner and I was like that, I said to myself, I'm like, that per- it's not in their best interest that they stay here. They need to go somewhere else because they're not able to put food on the table. And I remember sitting somebody down that I really liked and I didn't want to lose off my team. I just enjoyed their their company, their how, what they brought to the atmosphere, the whole thing. But they were just completely rolling donuts in the field, which is rolling zeros. And I sat him down and I was like, this is where the rubber meets the road. And maybe this isn't a place where you're going to thrive. And I just, but it came from that intentionality and it was tough love. But my intention was all about what's in your best interest here. And being in this office clearly isn't you're not putting food on the table. You're not going to keep the lights on because you're not doing the things that you need to do. That it just all of a sudden and he his, his back shot up and he was like, you're firing me. I was like, well, if you're if you can't go out there and get get it done, why is it in your best interest for you to stay here? Anyway, long story short, he went out in the field that day and he crushed it. And he just turned a corner, but I recognized in that moment as a leader, when I led with the intentionality to serve, and how can I help this person? What is it What is in it for them? When I tell you my business grew exponentially from that point forward and never went back, I can't begin to tell you the numbers. And it is I, there's nothing wrong with tough love, as long as the intentionality is like, you're in this life to win it, and I am here to help you. And anything less than that, I am not screwing myself i'm actually screwing you and i'm not into that i'm in it to win it so uh, my my whole paradigm my business changed 
Barbara, I had an NYU professor, uh, uh, Professor Caddy. Um, he he was a very passive man. He was from uh, India, and he was very you know he was soft spoken and and but all, he put all of us up sudden up on the the board. He put the words to lead is to bleed, and I saw all of a sudden this man and he, and he said it with this, such intention of to lead is to bleed and to lead is to bleed and and man I sat there and and I'm, I'm an adult at this point and. I, and, and managing a, a, a big team, and I, and I said, isn't that the truth? To lead is to bleed, because you're, you're going to be on the battle line with the team. You're going to be pushing the guys and the gals on the team. Your, your job is not to be liked. You're not you're not there to be their friends. You're there to get them through. I want uh, to be the kind of leader when we turn into a recession, and we will, that, that they look to me for guidance, that they look to me uh, for the understanding. Hey, I'll get us through this. And when COVID hit, and we were losing buckets of money, and I'm sick in the basement. I'm having Zoom calls with the team. I'm saying, we're going to be fine. We're going to come out of this. It's going to be the best year ever. And they're looking at me like I'm out of my freaking tree. I'm out of my tree. But to lead is to bleed is to believe it. Hey, I'll figure the way out. We'll figure the way out. And in the middle of this damn recession, I'm buying cars because I, I, I believe that this thing was going to change and we had to get out. And and, it, and, I, and I, the logic was also, if we're going to go out of business, it doesn't much matter whether I go out of business with $50 million worth of cars or $60 million worth of cars. But if this thing turns <laughs> around, I'm going to, it's, it's bankrupt to bankrupt, right? And and, and, and that really wasn't, I, my, my thoughts weren't that we're going to be there, but I said, well, what's the downside? You know, so the bank gets hit for another $10 million. It's, you know, tough on them. But that's not what happened. We, we were looking at the data that was coming out of, uh, Hong Kong, and we saw that Hong Kong was recovering from COVID and people returning to cars uh, and, and sedans and avoiding mass transit. And so it was a, hey, if it's happening there, it'll happen here. Uh, you know, you got to skate to where the puck is going to be, not where the puck is, and and, 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 and prepare yourself. And the great coaches do that. For my, my mentor, Paul Singer, the, the person that uh, when I got into the automobile business, I started to work for. There is there is nobody on this stage, period, bar none. I don't care who you are, what you do. There's nobody, nobody, nobody with the work ethic of that man. Nobody. I've never met somebody with his work ethic. And I can tell you, we were banging 12-hour days, 12-hour days, seven days a week. And uh, it wasn't an incredible story. At his funeral, um, I was talking with his wife. And she's, you know, and uh, she said, you know, Paul would work every Sunday uh, because he said, I can't leave. Uh, I can't stay at home with the kid working. And it was the same thing I told my wife. I said to my wife, how can I take Sunday off? Uh, uh, Paul's going to be there. And, and, and we should have probably gotten together and said, hey, you take one Sunday. I take one Sunday. But it, it was a seven day a week European work ethic from a, a man that survived the Holocaust. And, and just had such incredible appreciation for the opportunity uh, in America. And, and you know, it's an American dream story. He became incredibly successful, incredibly um, wealthy, uh, had incredible ethics and, and, and ambition. And what a, a great mentor for me to be around uh, for, my, for my life. But I can tell you this also, and no disrespect to my team, they have never had somebody pushing them like he pushed and there was always more there was always more we were going to do and i felt like uh, his nickname barbara was the silk hammer the the hammer was there but he it was dressed in silk and one day for his, one of his birthdays i actually had a hammer 
um, and I had it wrapped in silk, and nobody in the room knew what the hell the gift was. They looked at me like I was crazy, and had he had tears in his eyes. Uh, he used that silk hammer, and he would hit you hard, but it had a soft touch to it. He would push you hard, but it had a soft touch to it. And you know, I I, I don't try and be him. I can't I can't do that. I, I've got to be me. But the the notion today of you've got to be coddling everybody and they, they get 12 weeks maternity leave off and now they want to make it 20 weeks off and you get, but what the hell are we doing to people? Because while everyone's fighting for this time off and this easier schedule and everything else, you know what's the ruthless are doing? They're dominating. They're absolutely freaking dominating. So go ahead, take your 20 weeks vacation, take your maternity leave. I said jokingly to my partner, what is this with this 12 weeks maternity leave for dudes? I mean, I get it. Be there for the bit. I said, I said to, to to Mrs. Singer, I said, if that's the case, you owe me with all my kids. You owe me like a year off. And she, t- you know, what she told me, Barbara, she said, "F you," and laughed. I mean, we just laughed. F you. You know, I said, what the heck is going on here? We had some guy that took the maternity leave for his wifey, his girlfriend, had a baby, took the twelve weeks off, and there's nothing I can do. That's the law, okay? And then immediately put him for two weeks vacation on top of that. And I'm like, dude. I mean, c- come on. You can't. You can't work with me. I can't work with you. It's like, it's just. It, I can't fix that. And I, I'm not saying you're not entitled, but it's just we're we're such oil and vinegar. It ain't gonna work. It ain't gonna work. And it didn't work. Yeah, I'm like, there's so much debate in that. You know, I'm I'm really thinking on that. That maternity. Listen, I. I didn't. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. We used to. It used to take a village, right? When women had a baby, there was a village of other women that used to come in and help and buffer, you know, just, it, it was like a, a tribe. It took a tribe of women to help the newborn, to help the new mom, let me, let and let we don't work in question. tribes anymore. Let me, let me ask you a question. When you were three weeks old, what did your dad say to you? Every man for himself. My, I just, I mean, my twin brother was a hot, hot mess express. I don't know. I don't, I, I, it's a little foggy. <laughs> I don't know, but I listen. I'm, I think there's some. I don't. You know, I'm it's out of that. I had my. Three. Am I not allowed to have an opinion? Am I not allowed You're to have an opinion? And, I'm and, allowed and to argue. Yeah, yeah, if someone disagrees with me, that's fine. And and listen, be there to help the wife, the mother. Got it. I'm I'm all about that. But part of being a good uh, father is being a good provider. That's agreed. Part agreed. Agreed. Of being a good father. And and, and 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 this utopia where you can stay home and somebody else pays for it. I mean, ugh. you know, I don't, I don't know, man. I, 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 my kids are, my kids are, uh, are, are great. And, and you know, we, we took a, a crazy story. I, Rachel, my, my executive assistant, was uh, had had a baby. I said she's pregnant. And I said, but you're gonna have your baby, your have your baby on Friday, so you can be at work on Monday. And literally, she was like, uh, I don't know if I can make it Monday. It'll be Tuesday. And, and I don't know, her kids are okay. And, 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 you know, she did take the appropriate time later when she had her other kids. But the initial one was she was back at work four days later. And we were back in the grind, back in the hunt. And, and again, that it, it's some do and some don't. Some will and some won't. And I, and I understand that the, if Glenn Lundy took 12 weeks off every time he had a kid, he'd be off for five years. Can you imagine? And, and, and who's going to pay the rent? Well, 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 Lundy's taking a year off. You know, it's, it's, it's not possible. And, and probably, he's, he's probably got another one on the way. You know, my good Lord. Don't, hey, give Brian. That guy any, don't give that guy any time off. Yes, go ahead. 
Yeah, I just want to pipe in for a second. I think you and Barbara have a phenomenal dynamic, but it just speaks to culture, right? Like, if I don't like Amazon. I don't like their culture, so I'm not going to work there. So if you don't want to be in an environment of people and be with that culture, just don't be there. It has not, like, people like to force their opinions on others or they get triggered by something like you said, but I, I don't think they need to. They just need to realize the environment that they're in and what they want for themselves. I, I love the conversation. Thank you. And I, and I think that's a great point. It, it's that, you, you know, you can disagree and you can vote with your feet, you know, it's uh, so you can just walk <laughs> and go someplace else, you know, it's very simple. And and customers can decide if the culture of a business is what they like and they they, they get to vote with their wallet. But, you know, I, I love having a team around me uh, of hard workers. And, you know, the the uh, hockey coach I spoke of before, Norm, Norm Ryder, this guy would teach me. Uh, he would stand in front of me with a hockey stick. He'd slap my stick down and then slap me in the back of the head with a hockey stick. Can you imagine somebody, a coach doing that today? And like <laughs> I said, I'd, I'd run through a wall for this guy. He, he, Russell Broker shows up at a hockey practice because we used to get ice time whenever we could get ice time. It's late at night. It's Friday night, 11 o'clock. Russell Broker's had a couple of beers, and, and Norm smells the beer. Okay, Mr. Broker thinks it's funny that he can have alcohol. Okay, we're going to do we, – we did wind sprints until Russell puked. And then when Russell puked, Russell got the uh, privilege of doing push-ups in his own vomitus. Uh, oh, jeez. We've left and, the reservation. And, and, no, no. It's the, it, it, God strike me dead if I'm exaggerating and I... making this up. Wind sprints till he puked and then do push-ups in his puke. And and you know what? Uh, Russell was a hell of a hockey player, and Russell never came to practice drunk again. All right, so but there's it's, more it's than just... one way to skin a cat. We don't have to do push-ups in our own vomitus. I want to say this, it though. Because, awesome. but, but I want to say this. The pendulum swings, and there goes, we have just, I think we have overcompensated, and we have swung to a point where everybody gets trophies, and we have to coddle everybody, and everybody get, and it's to the detriment of, you know, people's resilience, and, and their grit, and their intestinal fortitude, and then I need to, like, so we're talking about the greatest impact of your life. So Brian, I gotta, I gotta bring in who, when you, when I'm asked this question, because this is in line with all, um, my grandparents uh, are Holocaust, or were Holocaust survivors. They're both passed. My grandma Rose and my grandfather Max. They were both Holocaust survivors. And when I'm asked who had the greatest impact in my life, by far. It was them. It was more my grandmother. My grandfather passed when I was five, but my grandmother lived until five years ago. So I got to grow up with a woman who had broken English, made her way, had three sons, and she gave birth to my father. I think there's an open mic, or am I like hearing things? Is that an open mic? Let's yeah. find it. Okay, you guys know that's my party trick. Um, so when I reflect on who left the greatest impact, listen. Because my um, my middle son had um, some medical issues as an infant, when I went to go deliver my third child, my daughter, I was like, I'm not doing any medication. This is going to be a drug-free delivery because my grandmother gave birth on a train. And I was like, if she can give birth on a train to my father, who is the hardiest man on planet Earth, I'm telling you, if you met my dad, I should do a, a PTR of my dad. He's, he looks unbelievable. Um, and he gave, she gave birth to my father on a train and he's still thriving and doing his thing today. He's in his seventies. 
then I can give birth in a hospital without any medication. And I drew upon the intestinal fortitude of my too grandmother. Far, man. What? That's a bridge too far. That's a bridge too far. No, it's, no, no, it, no. See, that's a decision. That's a decision, yeah. not a condition. It's a decision. And it's my decision that I said to myself, you know what? They've only brought in epidurals and all this other stuff in the last two generations. And at this point, I didn't want to put anything. So my, my second son, I did, you know, did all the, uh, I did everything, you know, any drug they could give me. I was like, please inject, give me heroin. I don't feel, I want to feel anything. But he ended up, and it wasn't because of that, but I just wanted to take all – I want to take all bets off the table. I didn't want to deal with another child for two years that was in and out of a hospital. So I took – and let me tell you something. When I was – when after I delivered my daughter, I was like, I am one badass. And when I went through cancer, that was another thing. I was like, well, I can run a marathon, deliver children naturally. I'm like, I'm a, pre- I'm a, I'm a hearty chick. I can go ahead and do this. I will say chemo kicked my ass that uh, here I am today on breakfast with champions. So I just wanted to say that because I do think that, um, you know, I would at times when I wanted to quit, I did, I do still to this day think about the stock that I am built from and I am built from party stock. I'm a survivor. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me comment on that. This is Todd. So, so first of all, Barb, just Gina did that twice. So she's in the same camp as you. I think she's she lost her damn mind. But we did we, <laughs> we did two home births. But really, the person who had the biggest problem was me because she almost broke my fingers. Now, they told me not to cross my hands and put them in front of her. But I did. And I'm telling you, women are amazing <laughs> beings. Oh, my God. Don, Don, so anyway. Don, they said if men had to give birth, the human race would would not exist. No, Chad, you're exactly right, Brian. I'm, I'm in on that 100. percent But but, oh to, but to kind of bring it back um, to to this this thing that you guys were talking about a minute ago before we got off into Brian's uh, hockey coach. Uh, wow, that went off the deep end there, Brian. Um, so I think one of the things as leaders, because I mean this room is all about leaders, and if you're not a leader, it's building you to a leader. And but but the majority of people in here are leaders you got to tell people the truth. You know, we're talking about all this stuff and, and you've got to tell people where they stand. And so many of us as leaders, and I've been there, are freaking pansies. Don't be a pansy. As Barb said, you're, you're doing yourself, but more importantly, you're doing that individual a disservice. You think that you want everybody to like you and that's great. It's not cool. Barb, your business took off when you told that guy the truth. I just had to tell a guy on my team, my executive team, that he wasn't going to participate in a particular bonus and that I didn't need him. And you know what? I think I did that guy a life lesson because when he goes out, he leaves, you know, I could have made the easy decision and just thrown it in there, but this guy needed to know and had been told multiple times, dude, you're not getting the job done. Next time you go out in the world, don't do the same things you did here. He needed the truth. And my legal counsel, my general counsel looked at me and goes, dude, what is, are you crazy? I'm like, crazy? I told the guy the freaking truth. What are you talking about? I'm like, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, and that's what's happened today. You know, that's what that's what's happened today. Can, listen, by, by the way, this these uh, participation medals, the kids know it BS. The kids know. Quick story. I've got I've got many wonderful children. My, my, my son uh, at the time was like eight. And my daughter was six or my son was 10 and my daughter was eight. And my, my son is lazy and learning. And my daughter 
my younger daughter Trinity is brilliant with a B. They're both in the chess club. They're both in the chess club. My son wins one match and loses all the other matches. My daughter wins uh, every single match. And we come home, and my son's got a medal. And I said, oh, Tarquin, congratulations, you got a medal. And he smiles and shrugs his shoulders. Trinity comes up now. She's like six. She goes, it's not, it's not fair. It's not fair. He only won one match. I won all the matches. It's not fair. I don't know why you got a medal. I don't know why you got a medal. And this is at six. She understood that. You know, there's, there's got to be, you know, yes, you participate, that's great, but there's got to be, to the, the spoils go to the victor. And we're, we're talking about ethical ambitions of your heart. We're not talking about people doing anything to win. We're not talking about ruthless, you know, everyone's concerned about the underrepresented. You've got to, listen, I come from a, 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 a my, my mom is Puerto Rican. I lived in East Islip. I didn't go to high school. I didn't go to college until after I was already in the car business. I only went to college because I was insecure about not having a, a, a thing on the wall at one of those those certificates that says you graduated college and you're worthy. So I went and I got it after the fact, and it was really the best thing that I ever did. But but the the hard work works, and you can overcome a lot. And so whatever your background, whatever your uh, disadvantage or your perceived disadvantages are, these people, these mentors see something in you and they push you and they push you and they drive you hopefully uh, to a better spot. And, 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 and I'm, I've got a list of the mentors here that I made for this. I'm really focusing on too. My hockey coach really handed me off to my business coach, you know, Norm Ryder. I played hockey till I was 19, and then when I when I when 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 Dad broke the bad news to me, you're not going to be an NHL player, and I thought it was terrible that he did that. But you know, again, Todd, my father loved me enough to tell me the truth. You know, hey Brian, there are no American hockey players, and and if there are going to be, you're not going to be the first one. And someone would say, oh, he's killing your ambition. Thank God he did that. Thank God I never became a professional hockey player. Because A, I'd have been retired 20 years. B, I'd never make the impact of the living that I earn uh, uh, today. And that wasn't my calling. And when my dad gave me to, from one tough son of a gun, he put me in Paul Singer's hand, another tough son of a gun. And, 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 I, and I appreciate that. But the world um, has changed. I don't think the, out, the rules have changed, but the world has changed. Now we're saying being softer is being kinder. And I, and I don't think that that's the case. I think um, bringing out the best in men and women. Uh, do you know what it, Ty, you, uh, you do know what it feels like to have a 17-year-old young man working for you uh, and, and he's answering phones in a business development center. And, and a number of years later, that young man is, is now earning uh, close to seven figures working for you. He started out at, at uh, you know, I don't know, eleven dollars an hour, and now his income is, you know, is is, is spectacular. Not because I'm paying him uh, spectacular money, but because he's making a, a, a dramatic impact on the businesses and other people. He took the time to learn his craft, and he'll be the first to tell you there's not a day I was easy on this uh, on this gentleman or the other men and women that we work with. I don't, you know, you don't, you've got to drive results and performance. You've got to be respectful. But the best thing a leader, a coach, a mentor can do is to shoot straight with me. Shoot straight with the people that you work with. I think that's the highest compliment you can pay to somebody. Well, I think what we're getting at is more than anything is that the, these are muscles that need to be built. Resilience, perseverance, tenacity, 
discipline. It's all a muscle. These aren't things that we are necessarily born with. These are decisions that we make. And when we build these muscles of resilience and perseverance and, you know, that intestinal fortitude, it sets us up for life. And we remember these mentors that challenged us, challenged us, made those muscles grow stronger because we had to keep showing up and breaking down those fibers. Like I feel that I always say this, Brian and, uh, you know, um, Todd, my best, the best thing I ever did was go door to door and learn how to keep going. Even when somebody that told me to take a long walk off a short pier, because at the end of the day, I had no choice. If the only way I was going to put food on the table and keep the lights on is that no matter what anybody said, I had to persevere. I had to keep going. I had to be persistent. And that isn't necessarily something that I was naturally born with, but it was something that I ultimately developed over time. I'm also incredibly competitive. And at the end of the day, we'd come back to the office. Either you rang the bell because you made money or you just sauntered in with your tail between your legs. And I'm just not that kind of girl. I'm not built that way. I'm like, I'm I'm in it to win it. I I talked about this a while ago. Doggins does some uh, corporate training. And there was a guy there that was making, I don't know, it was 20 calls a day. And, uh, and making about $60,000 a year. And Goggins said, you got to be kidding me. You're making 20 calls a day? And he said, well, that's, that's what they, they tell me I have to make. He goes, well, who gives a damn what they tell you you have to do? And, he, and I think he got the guy to like 1,000 calls a day. And the guy's income went from fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a year to $600,000 a year a year later. It was just such a, you know, you, you've got to be aggressive on, on, on yourself. And it's a mindset of, you know, well, if, if the minimum, is 10 calls a day why would you ever settle for 10 or 12 you know why not you know grant talks about 10x what if you made 100 calls and what if uh, what if as you're making the 100 calls you did it you, you measured what was working and what wasn't working the calls the quality of the calls got better it's not just banging out calls to bang out calls but you know what what's that standard that you set for yourself what what you're a luxury brand you're a fine sports car you want to push your limits and as you in as you push upon your limits your limits increase your limitations improve and and that's my quest for 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 my team and for myself it's what are the boundaries what are the limits and how do i push it how do i expand capacity how do i teach other people to see what's inside of them and you know you're in no danger of discovering that all by yourself You, you know you really need somebody especially somebody who's been there to show you, hey, this is the journey I took, and you could probably get there quicker at learning from the mistakes I've made. Uh, sadly, there's nothing that teaches quite like the hot stove, right? Yeah. How many times, <laughs> Barbara, does a wait? How many times does a waiter bring a plate over and say, uh, "Be careful, the plate's hot." What's the first thing you do? You touch the plate. <laughs> say, oh, damn! <laughs> you know, it, 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 there's nothing that teaches quite like that hot stove. Hey, and you know so, something else is as we talk about this, guys is, and gals is. You know, I'm sitting yesterday, and 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 we're doing some we're doing some tax planning for the company that I sold, and I don't know. I've been working on this for for a month with with one of the guys I met on Clubhouse, Larry West, who's who's an amazing accountant, who's very creative, but but fair and ethical, and doesn't cheat and lie, and but actually is going to help me a lot. And and I and I'm looking at these numbers, and I and I look back, and I went, holy cow, look look at what I'm playing with. I said, where where did this come from? And you know where it came from? When I was selling meat out of the back of a van yes when oh i god. was selling meat out of the back of a van and i'm like oh my god it didn't come from what i did last year it didn't come from what i did the last 27 years in the auto business it's that brief time where a friend of mine by the name of dave smith 
put me in his van and said, bro, you don't have a job. You left your, your corporate job at Pizza Hut. I'm going to teach you how to make some money. We're going to go sell meat. And that's what I did. And it, it sucked. It was the worst. But I went that's out in that van and I went door to door and sold meat. And that's why 30 years later, I'm looking at the numbers that I'm looking at. That's where it came from. Guys, you got to think you're saying, And you're saying that's... hot shit, man. Huh? This, is, this is good stuff, you know? Yes, and, and exactly. It, 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 it 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 is doing that. It's learning the grind, the grind, the grind. Everyone wants the outcome, the money, but work working diligently, uh, without concern for the rewards, is the very behavior that brings the <laughs> rewards. Digging in the grind, the grind, the grind. It, what do you do? You grind for a day, and all of a sudden you expect to be a millionaire. You go to the gym once. Where are my muscles? Doesn't work that way. You read three pages in a book. You think you're a, a Nobel laureate? No, it doesn't work that way. It's day in and day out, day in and day out. I have such an admiration for people that are in their 70s and their 80s that are still out. The Rolling Stones, Mick Jagger needs money like a fish needs a bicycle. But they're out there. And, and you realize, oh, my God, no wonder they were successful. They freaking love what they do. And they continue to do what they do as long as the good Lord will let them do what they do. They're not doing it for retirement. So many people, oh, I want to retire. I want to retire. Why do you want to retire? How's that your goal? To stop making a contribution? I want to make an impact on people. I want to uh, make an impact, but I also want to retire and play tennis a lot. So I don't think there's anything I, wrong. I, I, listen, I got it. You know, whatever floats <laughs> your boat. You know, the, the, the goal should be to do whatever you want to do. But I, I don't know about you. I just take two, two three days off. And I'm, I'm, I'm itchy. You know, I'm like, let me get back in the I game. will say this. I just want to live my best life always. And every chapter of everybody's life, their version of living their best life is going to evolve and change. The key is to set yourself up for each new evolving chapter. And whatever that looks like, that's the outcome. Your outcome are a strict reflection of the effort that you put in. And I cannot move past the fact that Todd sold meat out of the back of his car because my ex-husband, who we built um, this sales empire together, that was his first job. And I think it it was very, who, it, believe it who, or not. Who, who wants truck meat? <laughs> I mean, I, who wants meat out of the back of a truck? People That's do. It's no, point, baby. It's hard. Omaha, Omaha. Okay, baby. wait. Cut, I have cutlery, uh, uh, Kirby vacuums, all that Thank stuff, you. man. All that stuff. Door to door, baby. Uh, uh, That's uh, the best, the best education you can get. It's the I best. Education, Brian. It is untidy. I know oh, you're no, 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 it's no, you, no, no, wait, Brian, you gotta let me land this because I think so many people are like that. You just said it. You just said it. Who wants that? It is a numbers game. Life, everyone, is a numbers game. It is a law of average, no means next. You will find somebody for something every single time. And you have to be persistent. You have to persevere. You have to have tenacity. But if you have a mindset of like, who the hell is going to want that? You already, you just lost your job that's, of selling that's meat out of the island. You're out. That's You're why out. I don't sell I meat. Persistence, you off the island. <laughs> I know persistence overcomes resistance every time, but that's why. I don't. You got a bad me. attitude about this she job. Said, I she said no means oh, next. Oh man, I got a bad attitude too. <laughs> Y'all, you guys write that down. She said no means next. I love no that. No means next. Uh, I think Glenn's Majeski for the wrong bomb pass. Hey, but I want to say a blessing. I want to say a blessing to all of those in our lives that believed in us 
I want to give thanks to those people that believed in me when I didn't believe in me. I want to believe, I want to give a, a praise to those that said that, that because of them, I didn't quit. And, and those people motivate me still to this day. Some of them are with us, some of them are not with us. But I, I, I you know, I, I, I think it would be remiss of us not to, 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 to give uh, praise to those that believed in us uh, when, when, when nobody else did. And I, and I have mad respect for those people. I love it. That's a great way to land. So we're going to, that's it. Our hour is up. This is, uh, this is our power hour. We are going to do it again. We are also, Brian and I also speak on Breakfast with Champions tomorrow, Saturday morning. It's the uh, Saturday sales meeting. And as you can see, I am probably going to talk about selling meat out of the back of the car and the mindset it takes to be successful in anything that you do. Because when you show up in it to win it, there's nothing you can't do. Including I'm picturing you Todd. Have to put, I'm picturing no, flies have, flying, no, around, Brian, flying around this meat. It's so used meat out of the back of his shed. Oh, my oh God. My God. Brian, if it is the only thing you've got to put food on the table for your kids, it is the only job, it is the only opportunity, you better show up with a mindset that no matter what, I have to work the law of averages, make this happen, and find people that want, that are really starving for good meat. And you've got to learn how and to it. And it was Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.